episode 255, the Kentucky Derby edition of the HHH Racing Podcast, is brought to you by Hawthorne Racecourse. Hawthorne Racecourse, Chicagoland's hometown track, and by the Adelphi Racing Club. Adelphi Racing Club, offering a truly personal racing experience. Looking to own thoroughbred racehorses and win at the highest level circuits? We're not just a syndicate, and our members aren't just investors. We are partners. Experience the Adelphi difference. Join the club today. Contact us to get a taste of the Adelphi experience and come hang with us this Saratoga meet. And now let's start episode 255, the Kentucky Derby edition of the HHH Racing Podcast. Hello, horse racing fans, and welcome to episode 255 of the HHH Racing Podcast. It is Kentucky Derby Podcast time. Thanks for joining us so much. We have an unbelievable show for you. I'm wearing my red, the run for the roses, the first Saturday in May. This is going to be a fantastic podcast. We're going to not only preview the Kentucky Derby, but also the pick five that ends in the Kentucky Derby. And we have two fantastic guests coming on early in the show. We are going to have the Dorman family. That's right. The famous Dorman family made famous by the wonderful horse Cody's Wish. They will be here live in just a few minutes to talk about Cody's Wish and their journey. Cody's Wish is running this Saturday in the Churchill Downs uh, Handicap. We're very excited to wish them uh, a fantastic journey this Saturday. And then later, Jim Miller from Hawthorne Racecourse will be here to help us get through the preview for the Kentucky Derby race itself. Please make sure you hit that subscribe button on the bottom right-hand side of the screen. We greatly appreciate it. It helps the channel immensely. Also, smash that thumbs up button, that like button. That will tell the YouTube algorithm this is a great show. It will send people to this podcast and all the other previous 254 podcasts here on the HHH Racing Podcast. We greatly appreciate if you can smash that like button. And then also hit the notification bell so that you know when new content will be loaded up on the channel and you don't have to check back and look at it. You can follow me at H Kravitz on Twitter. I'm going to be at the Derby for the first time this year. I'll be sending out a lot of pictures and videos on Twitter. Please follow me at H Kravitz. And then, of course, scrolling on the bottom, you can reach you through email, hkravitzhorse at gmail.com. We have a show tonight at 9 o'clock. 
the Ben and Booze and Boys will be on here at 9 o'clock Eastern to talk about the very interesting two-day pick six. It's a $1 base bet. It's one of the great horizontal bets they have this weekend at Churchill Downs. So join the Ben and Booze and Boys tonight, Wednesday night, 9 p.m. Eastern, as they go through the two-day pick six. And then tomorrow night, as you see on the screen, 8 p.m. Eastern, almost everyone that's a part of the HHH Racing Podcast, almost all the hosts, We'll be here for our Kentucky Derby roundtable. There'll be about a 45-minute discussion from 8 to 8.45 Eastern Standard Time, plus guest and BCBC champion Matt Miller will be joining us with his opinions on the Kentucky Derby and how to bet some of the races this weekend. We have you guys covered like a glove. You can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Anchor. The Power Picks, look below the video player for all the information we, are, we have an eight to nine page tip sheet for the Oaks and the Derby. Are you ready for this? Four bucks total. We are not raising the price. It's $4 every weekend, $16 for an entire month. But for this weekend only, $4 is you subscribe to the Power Picks. Look below the video player for full breakout coverage of horizontal bets, vertical bets, spot plays, price plays grids everything you want for the oaks and derby day card look below the video player for information and then we have a great website as well hhhracingpodcast.com created and run by our host our co-host excuse me pete visco who does a great job wow we have so many people but i'll tell you what as i'm I'm, I'm gonna wait to bring on our comments uh we have a lot of people joining we'll bring on our comments right after we bring on my fantastic co-hosts who've been with me all week doing yeoman's work doing a a lot of work on the side and enjoying every minute of it to be with you as we're going to discuss the kentucky derby and the late pick five that ends the derby first let's bring on from the commonwealth of massachusetts grade one gamble winning champion uh soon to be author of a book if you're not aware we'll be talking about that and also a journalist for the saratoga special it's Paul Halloran. And from the East Coast of Maryland, the uh, the author of our wonderful HHH Racing Podcast website, Mr. Pete Visco. Guys, we gotta go with the red theme with the with the fonts and the shirt and everything. It's derby time, baby. Let's go. I am pumped. <laughs> yeah, doesn't get any better than this, huh? What do you got there, Paul? There we go. Thrilling boy, absolutely. I love it, Paul. And, and Paul, he's got a very appropriate hat. I can see what you're talking about here in just a minute. Um, real quick, before we talk about our special guests and get into the races, well, let's let's look at some comments, guys. And it's the first time I'm looking at them. Wow. comment is, is below. We got Michael Austin is here. We got Simon O'Neill, who I believe is from the UK. Simon O'Neill was part of the – was on the show last night um, in the chat. Uh, for, for Ben and Boozen. So, Simon, thanks for joining the show. We got Richard Avalar, who's got a lot of Rich Strike love with the, with the red theme. Uh, wants to know why Rich Strike is 7-2. to two. Maybe uh, Paul Halloran has an opinion on that. Um, Richard Avalar is here, guys. He loves Cody Wish. He bet in the British Cup. Richard will be talking about Cody's Wish. Penn State How'd that work? How'd that work out for him? I think it worked out pretty damn well. Uh, Penn State Scott is here. We've got Philippe uh, Peltier. 
I believe, would be pronounced Bonjour from Montreal. Looking forward for a great show. Go Cody's Wish. Philippe, thanks for joining the show. Truth Exposed. Good grief. Not sure what that's about, but I guess we'll find out. Uh, we got Voshan Welsh from Barbados. All over the world, guys, are joining us tonight. Thank you very much, Voshan, for joining the show. Uh, whoa, this is breaking news. Matt Miller, he wasn't going to be here tonight. He texted me, but no. Canceled dinner plans. Just be here for the live show. A view of the race will be great, but I'm really here for the special guests. Great intimate setting for this. Thank you, Matt Miller. Uh, two other ones really quick. We've got, oh, Christine Race. Christine Race, so glad I got yeah, here tonight. Up. Been looking forward to these days for quite a while. Thanks, Christine. We got BMAC is here. We've got, wow, a lot of people in the chat. If you are watching this on YouTube, excuse me, if you're watching this on Twitter, Highly recommend you switch over to YouTube so you can join our live uh, our live chat. But we're very happy to have you wherever and whenever you are listening and watching tonight. Guys, before we bring on our special guest, who's going to be with us in a few minutes. Pete, I'm going to go to you first. What does Derby Week mean to you? Do you have any special memories of the week in general? Um, is this is this something, obviously, we you look at your calendar. Any special preparations mentally, physically, just in general? Talk about your excitement and your fond memories of Derby Week in general. Yeah, I wouldn't say memories of the week necessarily, but I think it's the only between the probably the Derby and the Breeders' Cup, I would say, are the two where you it just gets you excited a little early. So you start handicapping early. I know there's always a lot of the huffing and puffing on Twitter about why would you handicap a race this far in advance? Cause it's fun. I mean, this is a race we all love. I don't care if it's the one that brings out all the people who aren't into horses and who cares about all that. It's fun. It gets people energized about horse racing. It's always a great race. It's a fun betting race because you can, you get big payouts. So the excitement builds as the week goes on and, um, actually, my son and I seem to have a new tradition on Friday of the Oaks. We seem to go to the movies now every Friday based on because yeah. something always debuts, some big movie debuts. So the last couple I've watched in the theater on my phone, the Kentucky Oaks. And last year's I was pissed and was ready to throw my phone at the screen when Secret Oath won. But, you know, hopefully this year will be a little better. Uh, for sure. By the way, Simon O'Neill, it is I've, Simon, correct me wrong. It's midnight, right? It's 1212 nice. in London. Listen, th there's no sleeping this week, Paul. This is Derby Week. You got to be no. cranked up and ready to go, Paul. Just any thoughts about Derby Week in general? Um, any memories you've had of Derby Week? Anything interesting during the week, or just your thoughts in general leading up to this weekend? Yeah, I, I just like it because the of the lead up, and I think Pete hinted at it. You know, it's once the calendar turns. Those of us who live in miserable weather, I know you do too, Howard. Once the calendar turns. You know, der once the derby preps start, that's kind of the, you know, we start looking ahead to, to better days than the d dog days of winter. So, you know, once those Florida races come on the schedule and, uh, you know, it's 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 a lot of work for two minutes. And sometimes, like last year, you feel like, boy, that was a lot of work for <laughs> my favorite part of the montage in the oh, beginning boy. is Howard's expression. Uh, but yeah. – it really is to to watch the preps and to to have an ongoing opinion, and you know I've been I've watched the workout show. I think every day I missed it today because I was at the airport, uh, which was a good reason to miss it. But actually, if I had thought of it, I could have watched it there. Uh, but uh, you know, just to see them on the track, I will be doing that live tomorrow. I'm very very That's pleased awesome. about that. Uh, 
Yeah, and, we saw a yeah, bird that didn't call. You are already in Louisville right now as we speak. Uh, yes, I'm coming to you live from Indiana, actually. But I have uh, I have made my maiden voyage over to the Downs. I went over today to okay. pick up my credential, watched a few races. Didn't uh, I actually hit one from the hotel and none while I was there? But I'm still going to go back. <laughs> okay, I know the weather's going to be beautiful the next few days. Well, it was great today. Weekend great today. 50-50, but it won't be like a complete washout even if it rains. It's going to be great. And, Paul, uh, can you talk about what you have there on below your uh, tag, I, on your name, below your name there? Yes. Today is Cody's Wish's birthday. Oh, happy birthday, May Cody. 3rd, happy birthday. May 3rd, 2018, uh, about five months before he met his best friend, Cody, which we'll talk about shortly. Man, I mean, that's just, uh, that's awesome. And Cody's wish is running, of course, this Saturday. We're about to talk to the uh, Dorman uh, family in just a minute here, guys. Um, my first derby, I, I talked about this when I explained the My Story video Uh I, that I can remember. Again, I was sort of a late bloomer. No one in my family was really involved with horse racing. I remember 89. I really remember 1990 with Unbridled and Francis Genter, one of the most famous moments in Kentucky Derby history when Carl Nafsker, who was a, a great trainer and trained at Arlington as well in my younger days, turns to uh, Francis Genter and said, you know, you've won the Derby. And it was just emotional. It was, it was great. I was uh, graduating high school that year, and I just remember it. Uh, very well. There's been a lot of really memorable derbies. Um, again, Paul, we're going to have the Dormans on, I guess, any minute, correct? So, um, 7.15 is what I asked them for, and they are typically pretty good. Terrific. And I did, okay, so. Howard, I, I should say, I did uh, I did hear from Ray Lou this morning. He apologized profusely. He was at a dinner last night with a bunch of people, tried sure. to break away a few times, and was not successful. He, he apologizes profusely. I told him, we're still going to bet you in the Oaks anyway. Yeah, yeah no you should have told him we're rooting against him now. Come on, Paul. Negative. Tell him, tell him no. he's out. Tell him he's out now. I'm playing that with beat. Again, we have a lot of people watching, folks. We're, we're going to be waiting just another you know, a few minute, minute or two here for the Dorman family, and then we're going to be talking about the pick five, and, of course, we're going to talk about the Kentucky Derby um, as well. Those of you that are watching – and in the comments live, please comment in the chat right now, what was the first Kentucky Derby you remember? Or maybe the first Kentucky Derby that you bet? Please comment in the live chat. We'd love to hear. Uh, we we have always have a wide variety, guys, of uh, of ages. Paul, keep going doing your thing. If you want to contact them. Pete and I can talk for a bit. No, nope, we're good. Um, but we, all, we have a very wide variety of ages and handicapping abilities. We've got, you know, teenagers watching the show. We've got people in there who knows what watching the show. Pete, do you remember your first, like, derby, uh, maybe that you didn't bet, but that you were watching on TV about the year or the horse that won that race? I, I don't year. remember. I, I, have a, I, have, I don't have a good memory for historical things like that, so I, I, I fall short when it comes to that. The one I do remember, which sucked mostly, was Easygoer Sunday Silence because Easygoer is my all-time favorite. He was my favorite at the time. I hate Sunday Silence, so that was brutal. So that's one that always sort of sticks in my head. I mean, I remember one of the more – I mean, it happened more recently is American Pharaoh. I mean, I was – I didn't have a triple crown winner that I remembered. So to see the first one was fantastic. Sorry, Peter, I don't want to interrupt. We've, we have the Dormans are in the green room ready to go. Uh, Dormans, if you could hear me, just give me a little thums, thumbs up for me. Uh, wonderful. They are ready. It looks like they're both pretty much in the camera there. They'll, they'll work out the camera uh, situation. 
And there we go. That looks pretty good. That that's good enough, guys. Maybe it's a little. There we go. It's a little closer together. All right, Paul. I I would be remiss. I, there's no way I can tr- introduce these wonderful people. Paul Halloran, please introduce the people we're about to bring on. Well, we are going to meet uh, Leslie and Kelly Dorman, uh, parents of Cody. I think everyone's aware of the Cody's Wish story by now. Uh, if you're not, stay tuned. But uh, I had the good fortune of speaking to them the first time of about two days after the forego, when Cody's Wish beat a horse called Jackie's Warrior at Saratoga, when no one thought he could win except young Cody, who did predict it. And uh, we've uh, since uh, become friends. I'm happy to say spent a lot of time with them a few weeks ago in Keeneland when you were down there, Howard. And uh, I think you had a chance to meet Kelly as well and little Kylie. And Kylie, so, uh, yep. And uh, we will see them Saturday. So without further ado. How you doing, guys? Let's bring on. Here they are, Kelly Dorman and Leslie Dorman. Hi, guys. Welcome to Derby Week, or should we call it Cody's Wish Week. How are you guys doing tonight? <laughs> doing good. How about you? Terrific. Thank you so much, Kelly and Leslie, for joining us. Well, they're going to be on for about you know, just about 10 or 15 minutes, just very quickly. Paul, I'm going to let you run most of these uh, the interview here, but just – Kelly and Leslie, on behalf of all the viewers and fans of the HHH Racing Podcast, we really appreciate the time. I know you, you're you very much in demand these days, especially with interviews and whatnot. And I also want to say publicly, Kelly, it was a pleasure to meet yourself and your daughter at Keeneland. It was really wonderful. I look forward to hopefully possibly seeing you again this weekend, although there's about 140,000 people I'm going to have to uh, fight through. But um, Paul, go ahead and you can ask a few questions and then Pete and I will jump in as well. Well, I think this is a how we're breaking news here because Kelly is on all the time, but this is a rare appearance by the brains of the operation, Mrs. Dorman. So I think we want to talk to her first because uh, Mr. Dorman gets plenty of airtime. And uh, Leslie, uh, this is a great uh, thing for us to, to get her. So, Leslie, uh, tell us about the preparations for Saturday. Oh, we've got our clothes already. We've had coat for a while now, mm-hmm. and just getting everybody ready. Has Cody uh, given his prediction yet? No, not yet. Not yet. Okay. He's he's gonna he's gonna like everyone wait. The anticipation is there. And by the way, I just bought a suit as well, uh, just for the derby itself. Uh, no, it's not like a red suit. I was thinking about it, but I'm like, you know what? I want to buy a suit, Paul. That's gonna be practical that I can wear. Other days, <laughs> just the Kentucky Derby. So, uh, yeah, everyone's got the new digs. Kelly, you got any new digs? You, you bring out a new tie or anything interesting or just going with what you got? Uh, I'm going to mix and match with some of the stuff I've got. Uh, I actually wearing a tie I've never worn before. So, or oh. uh, game day, uh, uh, it's a lot of game day decision when I <laughs> so. <laughs> There you go. Paul? I, I had a lug two sport jackets down here all the way from Boston, for Christ's sakes, really. <laughs> Friday and Saturday. Two different ones, I might add. I'll be wearing uh, Godolphin blue on Saturday. Paul, uh, by the way, Paul, if anyone has any questions, we've again, we have a lot of people watching. I don't know how many questions we'll be able to get to from our great fans in the live chat. If you have any questions for Kelly or, Les- or Leslie Dorman, again, they're the parents of Cody Dorman, of Cody's Wishes fame, please put them in the chat. We'll try to put up as much as possible. Paul, go ahead. So, guys, you know, you and I, we have talked about this a million times, but for the benefit of the people who are meeting you for the first time, tell them all what 
what this horse has meant to Cody and what this story has meant to your family. Go ahead. No, it's your time. <laughs> <laughs> um, a lot. He has really changed Cody um, as far as what he does in therapy, in life in general. Um, there's been a huge difference in Cody. Um, Cody's doing things that we didn't think he would be doing. And his motivation has come from the horse. Um, yeah, he's just, uh, he's done better in school. Uh, you know, he's working on uh, riding. Uh, he actually made uh, him a birthday card, uh, our birthday sign today. Uh, which that seems to motivate the horse. That, do, do we have the sign? Oh, I don't know if we, uh, you got, let's see. Oh, there we go. Yep. Uh, yeah. I'll, I'll send it to Paul. Okay. Uh, by the way, uh, Dormans, there's going to be some comments on the screen. If you see on the bottom of the screen, we're going to uh, progressively put some comments up as well. Raymond Cromley joins the show, wants to know, do you know Cody Wish's favorite snack, the, the horse? Uh, does the horse like to snack on anything? Uh, that you're aware of. <laughs> he likes birthday cake. We do know that. <laughs> well, of course. Who, who doesn't? I mean, who doesn't? Yeah, I mean, that's it. That's, that's, yeah. That sounds right, right? Oh, Cody's actually fed him carrots out of his own hand and stuff. Uh, that's pretty neat, you know. Uh, wow. But That's uh, awesome. Yeah, back at, back at Christmas, we got a pretty good-sized box of the uh, old-fashioned sugar sticks, the peppermint sticks, you know, the good ones. And Cody made him a Christmas card, and they sent it to Payson Park in Florida. And uh, I actually put a little note in there to, to you know, because I didn't know how much of that stuff he could have, you know, because he's still in trouble. And uh, I told him to share with his buddies when he got down there. But when we got pictures back, uh, I think he pretty much done the whole box. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Paul, go ahead. So, again – for the benefit of those who don't know the story, this, this started five years ago through a Make-A-Wish. Uh, you guys were uh, on a Keeneland Make-A-Wish Ambassador Day. But maybe, guys, you could just share a little bit of another thing we've talked about and what type of role Cody's Wish played with Cody when it was during COVID, when we were all depressed, but, you know, he was especially affected and how a, a second visit to, to Cody's Wish really helped him. Uh, yeah, just leading, leading up to that, uh, you know, the second visit, there was probably, what, a, almost a two-year gap, mm -hmm. uh, uh, give or take. But, uh, you know, he, he had dealt with a lot of adversity that, you know, uh, he, you know, it was just, uh, well, he lost his uh, grandfather. And uh, actually, uh, what, a month, month and a half, after he met Cody's wish, he had that uh, blood vessel burst in his uh, stomach. So we had a, a lot of that stuff going on. And, and then uh, right on the tail end of that, you know, when we thought we'd seen a little light in the end of a tunnel, here come COVID. So, uh, yeah, he, I guess it just snowballed and, you know, he got to be really depressed. And out of everything that we've dealt with with him, that was probably the hardest thing I think we've ever uh, watched him go through because he's always he's always had this fight you know this light uh, you just knew in the back of your mind he was going to pull through whatever but he just uh, 
uh, started slipping a little bit. And, uh, you know, we started doing things, been, been a lot more active to uh, uh, try to pull him out of it, help him in any way. And, uh, you know, I, we, uh, you called Mary, didn't you? Mary mm-hmm. Bourne at yeah. uh, Gainesboro. And luckily he was still in Lexington training. And uh, uh, we just wanted to know if we could take him up to see him. You know, they had named him by then and Cody was excited about it, but he hadn't started racing yet. So uh, they were glad to do it and set it up. And uh, long story short, we drove up I-75 with one kid and seemed like we come back with another one. I mean, it was almost instantaneous, wasn't it? Uh, uh, And, you know, I was a little concerned, you know, they wouldn't get that interaction. You know, I kind of, the first time we met, I kind of thought, well, maybe it was just a foal's curiosity, you know. And, uh, but it it was neat, you know, and all that stuff. So I I didn't know whether they would react or, you know, the horse would even remember him. And uh, Johnny Burke brought him out of the barn. And, uh, uh, you know, here he is, a big strapping two-year-old now, and they, they, he was full of vigor. They said, said we wouldn't get close to him that day. But uh, he came out of the barn. He never acted aggressive, never never once laid his eyes, ears back. Uh, he, I don't even think he really noticed anybody around other than Cody, did he? No. And he, he went right up to him again and uh, uh, kind of put his nose down in his lap again. Cody actually got to rub him on the nose. and uh, uh, Yeah, it done wonders for him. Cody actually started laughing out loud that day, you know, that real kind of deep belly laugh. And we hadn't heard him do that very often. Yeah, so I was wondering, awesome. you talked about the, if I could ask a question, Paul, I was wondering um, when he's, when Cody's in the car and he knows he's going to watch Cody's wish, do you see him change? Does he laugh more? Is he more upbeat, more positive? Do you see a change in him just on the ride to the track and when he's at the track? Yes, yeah, especially Especially coming home. <laughs> <laughs> After he wins, especially, right? He probably doesn't even care if he wins or not. But <laughs> Knock on wood and cross your fingers and all that. He's never seen him lose in person. So. Wow. Well, and he's going to, again, just so he's going to be there this Saturday, right? So Cody's wish for all you betters out there is a stone cold lock <laughs> single will win for sure because of these wonderful people on the bottom of the screen and their son. Paul and Pete, just, just go to the bank. I mean, it's a given, right? It's a stat of the day, Pete. You can put that in your stats. I mean, of the that's day. that's the that's the only stat that matters, right? That's a stone cold lock. We just got to get the number. I just need the number of how many times, and then Pete two for two. Four for four. four. All right, we'll put it on the sheet for oh, sure. Um, if I'm correct, right? The maiden win, the allowance four win, four times, right? Kelly, four. So we're saying the the hand chin, he one hit, then the dirt mile. Yeah, I think it is. Uh, on the bottom of the screen, Kelly and Leslie is one of our wonderful uh, fans and viewers, Brad Anderson. Easy to see that Cody gets his strength from both of you. Just an outstanding job of being parents to a very special boy. Enjoy the Derby on Saturday. Thanks, Brad. That's very Thank sweet you. of you. Paul, we just got another minute or two with the Dormans. Why don't you go and ask another question or two, and then we'll let them go. For yeah, I, I, and just to wrap up, we talked about that meeting, but I, I think probably as, as we've talked, guys, the – the, the most special meeting was three days before the Breeders' Cup when everyone's got their game face on. Um, there was a chance for you guys to visit Cody's Wish uh, at Keeneland. Uh, tell, tell our viewers and listeners about that scene and how powerful it was. 
She could tell it better. Uh, she's telling. <laughs> uh, yeah, better. yeah. We we actually was had a little bit more of a crowd that time. Usually, it's you know not very many people around when they're one on one together and stuff. So uh, we were a little concerned. I, I was hoping they could catch some of their interactions on camera uh, and uh, you know let people see it kind of more so than what we can ca- catch with our phones and stuff. But uh, I was, you know, I was concerned that he wouldn't do anything with more going on. There were probably, what, 15, 20 people around, yeah. you know, there were cameras and stuff. But he came out, uh, Bill Mott brought him out, and uh, he, he actually stood there and looked around for probably a couple minutes. And, I, you know, I thought, well, he's not really going to do anything. And uh, I, I guess if a horse can shrug his shoulders and say, oh, well, that's kind of <laughs> what he done. And he, he looked down at Cody, and he, uh, he stuck his nose right in his lap. And everybody was off to our right. I, we were, you know, directly behind Cody, you know, in his chair. So they didn't catch exactly what we seen, but he, he raised up, and it, it seemed like 10 seconds or so. They were, like, face-to-face, like like they were saying something to each other, wasn't mm-hmm. they? And, yeah. uh, and then uh, – you know, they just stared at each other there for a, a brief moment. And then in Cody's wish, I actually leaned back toward Cody and took his nose and rubbed it up and down Cody's cheek. That's awesome. Wow. I, you know, she fell apart. I did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, you know, that, that one was uh, somewhat quite a bit different than normal. And I actually, I actually tried to turn around and walked off a minute, just try to get it back together and, <laughs> Turn back around to go back to him. I look up and everybody there was <laughs> the way I was. So it was- well, Kelly and Leslie, I, I have two really quick questions to let you go. Number one, how does it feel to have a book in the process of being written? And Paul Halloran, as you guys know, is just a fantastic guy. You guys are so lucky to have uh, someone that's so respected in the business and just a great person as Paul Halloran to be writing a, a book about Cody's wish and your family. So number one is how does it feel to have a book? That's going to be written about Cody's wish. And then my last thing I'd like to ask you is, or request is tell everyone what your son, he's got a big event coming up. uh, That's very exciting that a lot of uh, teenagers are always looking forward to. So first your thoughts about the book being written and then the event coming up for Cody. And we'll end it right there. It's your turn. It's (laughs) very exciting. Um, I'm anxious to you know, when we get to the end and see it all, um, Paul has been me so- too. Me too. <laughs> Paul has worked um, so hard, and he's been so good to work with. So we are very excited and can't wait. It, yeah, it's uh, Paul's made this whole process uh, easier and, and, and yeah. very interesting. Now, he, I mean, he's worked his tail off. And Paul, we thank you again. I know we do it every time we talk but i want everybody to know how much we appreciate that and what all you've done and just uh, the little there's so many behind the scenes stories that the little nooks and crannies that you're even digging around in and that that that's that's really special you know hearing uh people's thoughts and things like that and uh, uh just looking forward to uh 
what lies in the next chapter. I guess the big <laughs> nice. Well, your son has got uh, some, a little next chapter coming up. Tell everyone very quickly what's that, happening. Actually, how it, la- it was last was it? weekend. It was. Oh, I apologize. It was last Dad weekend. Yep. Tell, tell everyone what happened last weekend. He went to the prom, to his junior mm-hmm. prom. Wow. wow. That's awesome. That's yeah. amazing. And I'm sure he enjoyed it. Any, any quick tidbits? Anything a little you want to talk about very briefly? His thoughts on it? Yeah, that was. Uh, he, he laughed all day. He had a phenomenal day. Wow. I mean, he was just so relaxed and happy. And uh, uh, he asked, asked his therapist to go to the prom with him. And uh, a good friend of ours had a, uh, her dad had a uh, 55 Chevy Bel Air. And I mean, mm. mint condition. Wow. So he rolled up in the, to the prom with that. And uh, the guys here at the, uh, the car club here at our, at our town we live in, they brought probably what? 15, 20 classic cars, mm-hmm. and they all rolled in, and it just took took a little uh, convoy to the prom. And That's... you should have seen some of these kids' faces when we started rolling in. <laughs> you seen the phones coming out and stuff. So, uh, yeah, he he had he had a great day. It it was phenomenal. Yeah, a huge milestone for him. Yeah, that's great. Uh, well, listen, uh, Kelly and Leslie, we, again, really appreciate you taking the time to come on. We hope to have you back again on the show, and please spread the word about the HHH Racing uh, podcast. Hopefully, I'll have a chance, Leslie, to, to meet you and Cody uh, on this weekend. I'll talk to Paul. We'll see if we can uh, work that out. Thanks again, and good luck to Cody's wish on Saturday. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thank you. See you Saturday. Bye. All right. Kelly and Leslie Dorman, Paul, you know, they're blessed to have you, but you know what? You're blessed to have them as well. I got to tell you, Howard, and, you know, I, I know, I know a little bit about special needs parents. <laughs> it's an area, it's, it's an area that I know a little bit about. And uh, yeah, you just, these two are just unbelievable. You know, we, I could just go on all night. I mean, you know, every kid is different and, you know, my daughter is different from their son who's different from someone else's daughter, but for, for what they really have dealt with and deal with on an everyday basis. Uh, and as you can see, with a smile, never what, you know, we've talked a lot about, you know, did, did you, do you ever have those woe is me moments? Like, you know, why the heck did we get picked for this? And when they say no, you really believe them. And, you know, we've, I, I've had a chance to really get pretty deep into that with them. And, uh, as I said to them, there's a reason why they were picked to be Cody's parents. You know, they were no they were really up for the job. So Tristan said that was Cody's great. Wish is such an amazing story for racing. Looks we we could do a whole two hour show on Cody's wish and the Dormans, but we're going to move on to the pick five and the Kentucky Derby. We wish them luck. There, he's going to be tough to beat the horse for sure on Saturday. And Paul, I'll talk to you off air. I'd love to build a chance to meet Leslie and uh, Cody as well. Let's get to the pick five, guys. Uh, pick five. The pick five Derby day is always a great bet. And in looking at the, this Derby day pick five that ends the Derby compared to the Oaks day, I thought the Oaks card uh, on Friday early before the pick five is absolutely impossible. But I thought the pick five of Oaks day, because of two possible singles, you don't have to spend a lot of money. This, the Derby uh, Day card Saturday, I feel the opposite. I think early, and I've handicapped all 27 races because I'm a sicko already. Um, 
the early part of the card on Derby Day, guys, I thought could be very formful and chalky and not real creative, but the, the late pick five, or the pick five that ends in the Derby, guys, starting here in race eight, is absolutely phenomenal. Let's go ahead and bring up our picks right here. There you see our picks scrolling on the bottom of the screen. The all-stakes pick five that ends in the Kentucky Derby starts the race eight, the Pat Day Mile, about 246 Eastern. It's a big field, as usual, for this race. It's a field of 14. Wow. Going a mile in the dirt, three-year-olds. Moorline favorite is the number five. Echo again for Asterson and Drew. Pete, we're going to have you go first. Obviously, people see the, the screen. They're all over the place. You're going with the nine. General Jim for Shim Gehi and Louis Saez. Yeah, I remember. I, I can't remember what what horse, what, what horse, what race he scratched out of last time, but I sort of liked him in that race a little bit as well. So it, it's been a while, you know, he's off for a little bit, but coming back, I'm just looking for a horse. And I think he might be one that just is on the upswing. I mean, you see, he was an $850,000 purchase. So he was well thought of coming out of the gate before he even started. And then if you look, when he came out in that first race on new year's day in the mucho macho man, if you watch the race, and again, we don't, have to get into it here he was definitely blocked and, and he had he just couldn't get through and then finally at the end when he had a little bit of room you know it was a little too late at that point so I think he could have won that race for sure if he gets through and then if you're talking about that and then you bump it up to the swale where he comes out and he beats super chow who's a pretty good horse and then he pops that 90 buyer I'm thinking okay this one might really be on the upswing and he might be coming into his own he's got Saez who I love I actually had crazy stat for, for Suge, three-year-old graded stakes on dirt, 12 for 24 wins, 19 for 24 in the money. And then when you bring that just down to three-year-old male graded stakes on dirt, nine for 13 wins, 12 for 13 in the money. So Suge doesn't have a ton of them, but when he has them, he gets them ready. And there was like maybe four or five horses, but they're always ready. They always run. And I think this one's on the upswing with our guy Luis in the, in the saddle. Well, you know what I do like about this horse and the connections is they didn't get the derby fever, Pete. They realize he's a sprinter. They're going to keep him at one turn. They didn't get crazy with him. And, you know, they've rested him for this spot. I just like when connections are realistic, Pete, because we see every year. There's just a bunch of horses that, frankly, should not be in the derby this year. Well, we always be, say that they be in this race. And General Jim is in this race. And they and they sort of suck the life out of them sometimes where they try yeah. so hard and they don't they don't reach their potential. And you don't know if it's like a confidence thing or whatever it is. But yeah. I think this one could hopefully just stay at this. Yeah, stay sprinting, stay one turn and, and we could see him down the road in those kind of races. Um, I have that horse nowhere. I'll talk about my feelings on General Jim in a minute. Paul's got a third. Paul, you're going with a, a price. And look, it's hard to blame anyone to go with a price in this race. You're going with Curly Jack for all the fans out there that named Jack. Love your pick. 12 on morning line. Amos is very underrated. This is a turnback. You know, I'm a huge fan of turnbacks. I think this horse is a bit interesting. I'm actually using him in my pick five. You know, Howard, I have thought very lowly of this horse throughout the year, to be honest with you. Uh, and I'm, I'm looking at this race on the plane today to start the pick five. And I asked if they could open the door so I could jump, and they wouldn't, they wouldn't do it. So I had to keep handicapping the race. What a <laughs> headache this race is. Oh, yeah. No I mean, much. what a headache. So I just said, I just forced myself to, to look for somewhat of a price. Okay. I'm, I'm going by running, you know, the company he's been keeping. And granted, he has not been 
running well with that company. He ran a decent second uh, to instant coffee, which notably was at Churchill. So the, the two things I like, I think this horse has going for him. Three, actually. I don't think he's bad as he looks on paper. He likes Churchill. And, you know, King's Barnes, Disarm, Jace's Road, Angel of Empire. If you look at his last two running lines, every horse in the top three is, is in the race, the big race on Saturday. So yeah. I'm hoping he, you know what, uh, short cutback, as you said. Uh, I, I'm hoping they get a little more aggressive with them. And I, I'm looking for someone. I, I don't want anyone at three to one in this race. Uh, I mean, I'll use them in my horizontals, but sure. I, I think this horse has a puncher's chance at, you know, eight, 10, 12 to one. Hey, Paul, I hate to tell you, my, my dad will be on that horse because that's my, he bets anything with Jack in the name. So that, that's probably taking you the other way. That's probably the, that's probably well, the kibosh. I hate to tell you. So what, pop, the, pop, the pool, watching, the pool sorry, Saturday, the, the pool Saturday could absorb his money. Peter. That's yeah. true. That's true. Well, yeah. Shout out to pop Visco out there. Oh, maybe yeah. he's watching. So good luck to your father with that bet. Guys, to me, first of all, I think there's a lot of speed in this race. Secondly, the Pate Mile, I'm usually looking for two things. I'm looking for class and a turn back. And to me, Fort Bragg fits both those. I'm not going to say this is my favorite pick of the day, but, I mean, he's faced practical move who's a legitimate horse. You know, for, he doesn't want to go a mile and eighth. He shipped him all the way across the country. I didn't like him in the Florida Derby. He didn't run great. I think this horse is going to be much better one-turn, guys. He's been working well. He's got Rosario. He's got a nice post. I'm expecting a step forward here for Fort Bragg. I think he's a, a nice horse. There's no killers in this race at all. And again, for me, the turn back and the class that he's been facing takes me to Fort Bragg. Let me just very quickly give my opinion on General Jim. And and this, this is what makes horse racing great because I have a lot of respect for Pete Visco and his pick. And But this is the great thing about this day. I don't like General Jim at all in this spot. And I'll tell you guys why. His last race, okay, Super Chow is a nice horse, but it was a small field, and Super Chow does not want to go seven. General Jim just had a perfect trip, just got to the outside in a small field. This is a much, much, much more difficult spot, in my opinion, for General Jim. He might win. He might prove me wrong, and I'll tip my cap to Pete Visco and say I was completely wrong. This is a C for me at best. I just think – this is a very tough spot. I'm not sure how good he is. And that last race, I just think, is was completely overrated, where he really didn't beat anyone that impressive to me, and it was a very small field. Uh, Pete and Paul, any final thoughts? We'll move on to the next race. No, I think that's – I mean, I think this race is wide open, and I think there's – the thing about it is nobody's that good. They're all question yeah. marks. They were all question marks. Like Fort Bragg, if you look at Yachtin, Yachtin doesn't win outside of California. No. I think he's over fifth. If the stats were right, he's over fifteen shipping shipping yeah. outside of California. So when you look at that, and then you look at a horse like the one who I know I had, I mean that's a horse that looks talented, has great figures. It's Yakteen again, unfortunately, but you figure that one he hasn't run against yeah. a ton either. Yeah, the, How about the, the Arizona November sale for seventy five hundred? I mean, I mean, we, we are all horse owners. That is, I mean, and the horse won two hundred thousand dollars, guys. It's just crazy, isn't it? That's impressive. It's, it's, it's nuts. I mean, it's fantastic for them. And I mean, he's he's sort of straight bred for sprinting. I mean, it is a one turn mile, so yeah. maybe that'll be okay. But you look at him, and Dad's I mean, I had all these horses in my. my 
Paul, I had about seven of them on the A line. I think when I first when I first went through. So Tough race. I'm with do. you. All right, guys, let's let's go ahead and move on uh, to the next race. There's just one great race after another in this all stakes pick five that ends the derby. <laughs> this race, whoa, this is one. I'm going to say this right now, guys. There's I've seen a lot of American turf stakes races these this three-year-old this is one of the best i've seen on derby day this field is completely loaded and there is a horse that we got to mention that's 30 to 1 in this race that you know why we're going to talk about this horse at least for uh, for for a short minute i know kyle roscoe has interest in this horse of course this is the american turf it's race nine uh let me let me switch the banners it's about 340 it's a grade Two, it's for restricted three-year-olds on the turf, a mile and a 16th. It's a big field, again, of 14. Wow. With also eligibles. There's Scooby, by the way, Pete. You, yeah, they, they got to get him Scooby in, man. Kondo's in the AE list. If he gets in, he wins, so you got to get him well, in Of course. There. So, yeah. The, the, I had to mention that, Pete. Major Dude is a more line favorite, the one. Pletcher has got what? He's got two in here. He's got the, both inside horses. Major Dude's a favorite five to two. Paul, we're going to go to you first. You are going with one of Chad Brown, who's got uh, – he's got one in this race. I thought he had – no. I thought he had – No, he's got two. Sorry. Do oh, you have two? Why am I drawing a blank? No, he's got one. I no, only one. one. Yeah, only one. Carl Spackler, of course, great name if you're a Caddyshack fan. Uh, that's who you're going with. This is a extremely talented horse, Paul. And that's what I'm hoping. And this is kind of the opposite of what I did in the last race. I, I took a headache race and, and took a horse who's going to be bet. I, I think the one's going to be over bet. Uh, he's been, you know, working out with the Derby horses every morning. Uh, they did not, you can't enter in two races. So come Monday, they opted to get him off the AE list and put him in this race because they wouldn't have been able to run him. They want to run him, but he's gotten. You know, his name's been out there all for the last two weeks. I I think he's certainly got a chance, but I think he's going to be over bet. I'm hoping in what is a very, very competitive race that this 11 could be a star. Uh, I watched the replay. Obviously, it's a maiden race at Gulfstream, so let's not get carried away. But he did really explode down the lane, indicating that, you know, for his first uh, first start off the layoff, third start of his life, he, he could really take a step forward. Uh, he's been in Kentucky for quite a while. He's been over at Keeneland with Chad's horses over there. And, yeah, we're just going to see him just draw away from this field here. But at this one to five. I don't care who he's facing. This, this is an awesome race. Yeah. So, again, I, I, I looked at a very competitive race. And I said, there's a chance this guy could really, this, he could really be a cut above. And I'll, I'll, I'll take the, the lower price than I should be willing to take. Well, in his first start, he faced Farbridge's in this race. And I got to tell you, the race on January 21st, I remember I was watching it at home. And I'm watching this race live, and I had a little intel with, uh, uh, with Farbridge um, and, and Carl Spackler. I'm watching this race, Pete and Paul. I'm like, this literally, and I've been, handicapping watching races for 25, 30 years. Honestly, that might have been the best maiden turf race I've ever seen. Like you could just, <laughs> no, honestly, you could tell these were serious, serious horses. So he really easily could be undefeated. Pete, the only thing I don't like is he was supposed to run at Keeneland and he had about the 11 or 12 hole and 
and Chad decided to scratch him, which I'm just, I love Chad Brown. But I'm just, maybe there were other reasons. He, he was not hurt. He was not injured. From what I understand, um, he just didn't, Chad just didn't want to deal with the outside posts on that day. But he has been off for a while, but I'm sure Chad's got him ready to go. I mean, Chad, yeah, you don't, there are certain things you don't worry about with certain trainers and Chad and, and yeah. having time off is, is you don't exactly have many at all. No, you know, I was just trying to take a, take a little stand here. And, okay. and, and I mean, if you're, you can't have all the favorites and yeah. I like, I'm going to go with Farbridge and say, maybe Farbridge is the one who turns out to be the star out of this race and beats him again. And we say, Hey, hopefully I was hoping that the 11 would take the money because of Chad Brown, not that Pletcher's not going to take money, but that, you know, a Chad Brown turf horse will take a little more money than a, than a Pletcher turf horse. And I like, you know, Rosario, sometimes you don't, you don't know what you're going to get with Rosario, but He's I like the nine a horse. on the inside everyone. Yep. And I like a horse when Rosario has a horse that I know is going to come from the back. And again, I don't think there's a ton of speed in here, but there's enough speed to keep it interesting up front. And I think this, that the nine is just going to, you know, I mean, he's explosive I mean, there. Yeah. That was an explosive <laughs> run there too. I mean, completely ridiculous. Um, this is just a really, another really good horse. And, you know, I, I'd be not doing my job as a host if I didn't quickly at least show the maiden breaker because they, this is when they were actually facing each other. So let me just, we're not going to watch the whole race, but this is Farbridge versus Carl Spackler. Everyone at home can make their own decisions. Farbridge is the one. Carl Spackler is the nine. This is their first race um, that they ran. This is the maiden race. I'm saying literally it's one of the best races I've ever seen. Um, Carl Spackler is on the lead, and here's Farbridge closing. I mean, look at these fractions, guys, for a maiden race. I know it's uh, Gulfstream, but, I mean, the, the, uh, look at the gap. The, the three is a decent horse too, by the way, Fort Wilderness, who was two to one. The gap that between these horses and everyone else is absolutely insane. I mean, look at this. There's the gap to third. I mean, wow. So very impressive race. Um, I'm going with Farbridge also. Um, I don't know. If, do you guys have any intel? Because I don't. The switch to, to Pletcher. I, I did not want to talk to Christoph or Miguel Clements about this. I don't, I'm not saying it's, a bad story or it's, you know, something nefarious or ugly, but I'm sure they'd like to own, you know, to train the horse. So I, I don't know what's going on there. Do you guys know anything? I, I, I think, I think Calumet was the listed owner last time. Yeah. If you look in the, uh, if you look in the note there, it says that right. Calumet yeah. was, so maybe it was just a sale and they switched. Maybe it was a sale and they switched. I, yeah, I don't know. It looks either. like a private, it looks like a private, private sale. sale. That's what okay. I was thinking. Yeah. I'd love to know what they paid for this horse. I mean, it's gotta be, high six digits i mean by the way i know we we again we always mention this both the two and the 11 ran both their races on lasix and now they're not so again i don't know if yep. that'll matter one way or the other but we like to point it out so we don't forget uh talk of the nation is not going to be 10 to 1 i i this is uh, whatever no one wants to hear about mooring lines that was quite uh, this, the twitter discussion today i saw a nice little was. twitter thread about that one too or uh, Pete, you've got him second i've got him third paul you've got him second either one i'll let you guys talk very quickly about talk the nation then we'll move on either one of you guys i mean i i just thought i like when you know we always talk about we like when a horse does something that causes them to move forward and you see when this horse got on the turf it just, I went, you, you know, you're talking 62, 66 buyers on the dirt, and then you jump to 85, 92, and does it impressively. And in that last race, 
he broke poorly a little bit, was wide. Um, and then another one that if you watch that race just sort of exploded in the lane. So there's yeah. a ton of talent there as well. Sorry, Paul. I don't know if you had anything. Paul, before you jump in, we got, this is the great people in the chat. LSU stables bought a bunch of horses slasher and gave him a pleasure. There, we go. there you go. Thanks, Thank Matt. You. Jamiro. I, again, I wasn't suggesting there was something ugly behind the scenes, but I'm sure the Clements are disappointed losing that horse. Paul, any final thoughts on talk of the nation or anyone else? Charles V thinks it's possible that fantastic again wires the field. There is a decent amount of speed. You got Johannes from California who should show some speed. Behind enemy enemy lines might show a little bit of speed. Most stash is definitely going. Um, there's Otago, by the way, guys, for Kelsey Danner, who won today on a horse that that uh, beat me out of a huge play with uh, Papilio. So I have a ton of respect for Kelsey Danner. This is a very difficult spot, but this horse is owned by Crownsway. And everyone, just full disclosure, everyone on this screen, we all own some horses with Crownsway. All I can tell you about Otago is he is training unbelievably. He's really training well. This is an extremely difficult spot. But all three of us wish the best for uh, Otago and their connections. That would be a fantastic hey, story. Get a, get a little bit of rain. Get a little bit of rain, a little softness in the ground. That one seems – Otago yeah. seems to like that. There's fantastic again. I, I think there's a lot of speed in this race, Paul. I just I think someone's going to set up for a closer, personally. Yeah, I, I just think that talk of the nation, you know, obviously $75,000 listed stakes at Tampa is not scaring anyone. But, you know, as Pete points out, uh, good buyer jump. It's Shug. You know, Camacho's great at Tampa, but no disrespect. You're getting Tyler Gaffleone on him, uh, who fairly, fairly owns Churchill. Uh, you know, I, I think in a race that, you know, if you are going to have a price anywhere, I think he's the logical price to be a part of it. I think so. But I think I think the, the 2 and 11 are going to take the bulk of the money. But I think Talk of the Nation will be solid third choice, you know, 9 to yeah, five to no, because the one's going to definitely take a bunch of money, oh, too. Sorry, so it's definitely right. going to be no better than the fourth choice, I would imagine, yeah. right? I, by the way, Pete, I totally agree with you. With, uh, May, or yeah, Paul, the one will take dude. money. I, Major Dude can win, but I, I don't think he's going to win. He's going to be way over bet. I just I totally agree with you on that, Paul. I just want to um, mention that. And Pete's got Major Dude third. So um, I'll be, I'm fascinated to see what the odds look like. Let's go on to one of the big races. I mean, there's so many big races, but – this is the Cody's Wish race, and I'll tell you what, guys. Just seeing Cody's Wish's uh, name in the, you know, and horse in the PPs and the entries just warms the coddles of my heart. It's just such a, a wonderful thing to see. There's our picks on the bottom of the screen, and hey, we're all, we're not messing around, guys. We're all going with the champ, Cody's Wish. We've all we've got very similar. We're all seven ten actually. Also, there is a horse, guys, on the rail that we have to talk about because we are. We've, I, I like to think that we don't just handicap on this show. We talk a lot about ner newsworthy items. We talk a lot of this, this um, podcast is not just about handicapping. We, we talk about a lot of things in this show. So guys, we do have to mention uh, the one and maybe you guys know why I'm bringing that up a little bit, but let's talk about Cody's wish. Here's the field uh, right here. There we go. It's the Churchill down stakes. It's a grade one. $750,000 is the purse. You see, it's only a field. That's not only. It's a field of eleven. Cody's wishes four to five morning line. Mott and Alvarado. Paul, I'm gonna let you do the bulk of the talking because maybe you have some intel um, from Mott or the connections. I'm not sure. He is clearly the horse to beat. He towers over the field by the numbers, but there is one but. He is coming off a layoff. 
other than that, he looks very tough in this spot. Yeah, I mean, I think if you're gambling, and, and our friend Matt put it in the chat, you know, ironically, uh, the 10 is a half-brother to Cody's wish in this yes. race. Endorsed. <laughs> both, out of, both out of dance cut. Yeah. You know, in all honesty, if, if you're gambling and you want to beat a heavy favorite, you're supposed to try to beat him just because of the layoff. However, a couple of things, and I've, I, I mentioned this a lot, Mott is on my short list of guys that I pay no mind to the layoff whatsoever. Okay. Um, the horse put up a few workouts at Payson Park on what, as you know, Howard, uh, we were talking to Johnny Burke, the aforementioned Johnny Burke, who the Dormans mentioned, yeah. who you, you met when uh, I talked to yes. him over on uh, Rice Road. Um, you know, he, he put up uh, some pretty good times at, at, at uh, Payson Park. Physically, and I haven't seen him in person. I'll see him tomorrow, hopefully. Physically, he looks absolutely phenomenal. And he's a horse for course. He's four for four at Churchill. Um, I think if you were going to beat him, the time to beat him was in the two-turn dirt mile last year, which Cyberknife almost did. That's what I thought. Um, I, had, I had Cyberknife, Paul, I'm going to admit. And, Paul, can you talk about the top of the screen? These are Bill Mott's stats, three to six months. Uh, layoff. He's 20% yeah, I mean, on the win end, 47% in the money with an average payout uh, of 806 still. So he, like you said, he, he's very solid off the layoff. Yeah. And, and, you know, the, the other thing is, and, and I forget who it was, but one of the many people I've talked to in, in writing about this story uh, is, you know, when Mod is allowed to have a plan and execute it, you know, it, things go pretty well. And the plan pretty much was this was going to be the first race back this year. And, you know, he, he got two days to get there, but he gets there. And then, fortunately, the plan calls for him to go to New York for the Met Mile, uh, so which would be uh, – which would allow me the opportunity to see him again. Uh, so, look, if you're gambling, you're supposed to take a shot and use other folks to try to beat them. Yeah. You know, if you – but with the races we just talked about, if you're playing a caveman now, you might want to <laughs> you might want to lean. But you know, we all picked the ten second. Matt Miller likes the ten. The ten has won three races in a row. Um, you know, zero for six at Churchill, a factor. But you know, the 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 ten is is going to probably take a decent amount of money in this race. Yeah, I think so. I want to get to some quick comments here, and then Pete, you can talk about the 10 and the, and the six, if you'd like also, I think it's a little bit interesting uh, in this race, Matt Miller mentioned uh, to be careful. And by the way, that's, there's two different Matt Millers in the chat, um, Paul. So this is BCBC champ, Matt Miller. That other gentleman um, is not the same person. I don't believe so. But anyway, uh, be careful to everyone oh. playing multi-race bets. This horse will probably be one to five in this leg. If you love him, I would avoid these bets and play different ones. If you don't make sure you spread enough, this is coming from a guy who's one of the best contest players in the world. So Matt Miller, I think that's an excellent uh, point to make. It's basically a glorified pick four if you like this horse. Pete, you know I've liked Endorse. We've talked about him on the show. He's come through for me. But he's a little bit quirky, right, Pete? Like uh, Gaffleone or Size, you've got to ask this horse, you know, quite a bit. Reminds me a little bit of Tapatrice in that way. Is seven furlongs too short? That's my only concern, but I love the post and I really think the source is interesting. Um, I don't know about the seven. I almost prefer him in a mile. Maybe I'm nitpicking. 
Well, no, but I mean, he's one for six at the distance and his only win, which was three oh, yeah. back, was in an optional yeah. claimer 62. Yeah. So he sort of, you expect him to beat that field. So that's maybe not as surprising, but I mean, it's hard to just ignore a horse who's in such good form. And, and actually you really like to see a horse who sort of, I mean, he's breaking buyer tops. He didn't, they weren't all buyer tops, but he's, he's improving at seven, um, which is fantastic. So you, you love to see that in a horse that's still running, still yep. getting better. You, there's real no knocks. Like you said, maybe he likes a mile a little bit more. Maybe that's his best distance. So when you're going up against a horse like Cody's wish, you really need to be on the top of your game. And maybe he's on like an A minus level instead yep. of an A level or an A plus level. I mean, the rest of the field is just kind of light though. So it, I think between these two, I think they sort of, they lay over from a, especially from a winning standpoint. Uh, hola to Carlos Adrovet from uh, Puerto Rico. Hola, que tal? Carlos, thanks for joining the show. Let's let's get some more Latin American viewers joining the show. We've got uh, Siggy Mendoza and we got a bunch of others. So, Carlos, don't be a stranger, man. Thank you for uh, joining the show. Very quickly, let's talk about two horses, guys. Then we're going to move on. Uh, the six. Uh, Tejano Twist is a nice horse. I don't know. Again, Pete and Paul, we've talked about this a lot as a handicapping angle. Just because it's an extra furlong, Paul, does not necessarily mean it's going to be better for Tejano's twist. We're going to see, but um, he's a very honest horse, but he does need some pace to run into. And I'm not sure seven is his distance, but he's as honest as they come. Yeah, I took a look at that. Um, seven is kind of a little bit of a specialist distance. I mean, you know, you, three, you do have to, distance. You, Sorry. you do have to take note of that one Oh one buyer at, uh, at in yep. the Whitmore yep. down at Oaklawn where uh, he had uh, – this horse had a very good winter at Oakland with four starts and two wins, a second and a third. Uh, lost a Gunite, who's a real horse. Lost a Skelly, who's a real horse. So, yes. yeah, I, I would say that uh, this horse is in the conversation. Again, you, you got to – there's two ways to look at the race. You know, spread and try to beat the big guy or focus on him and, and try to get prices somewhere else. Paul, as the um, if people don't know, Paul wears many hats, but um, his main job is public relations. So, Paul, you're the perfect person to ask this question. I don't, I don't want to get us in trouble. I want to be very careful with our words here. But, Paul, I'm going to let you do most of the talking. There's been issues at Churchill this week, and just to ignore it and say it's not happening or just blow by it, I don't think is is being respectful to the game or this podcast. Safi Joseph, who trains White Barro, has had two horses um, that have been euthanized this week. I don't know what's going on. I am clearly, clearly not saying that there's something nefarious. We don't know, but it's strange. It's weird. It's very unfortunate. And I had White Barrio in second. I, he's not on my ticket right now. And maybe I'm overreacting to something that I don't know about. But, Paul, it's really not good what's going on. And there's going to be an investigation that's all I'm going to say. Your thoughts, Paul, overall with White Abario in this race, and then if you want to comment on the situation at Churchill this week, feel free. Well, as a matter of fact, uh, Howard, we'll get it right from them. Churchill put out a statement at 2:43 this afternoon. Darren that Rogers, I won't read all. 
from yeah. Darren Rogers, the media relations director, yeah. who, by the way, is also uh, responsible partially for allowing us to be there at the Derby, at the Derby, which has nothing to do with me. Nothing, right? Nothing, zero at all. I. But go ahead, Paul. Why don't you, if you want to read part of the statement, or well, whatever. you know, it's interesting. So there's a lot going on here. So Safi Joseph has had two horses uh, die suddenly, and there is no cause yet. They're, they're, they're doing the necro- nec- necropsies. Parents' pride on Saturday, which was opening night, I believe, and chasing Ivy just on Tuesday. So you have the two Safis. Then, of course, we had the real, uh, another real sad story. Last Thursday, Wild on Ice, who was going to be the derby horse for the jockey, Ken Toll, the 60-year-old jockey, he, he suffered an injury in training, and they took him over to R- Rudin Riddle in Lexington, possibly one of the greatest veterinary hospitals in the world. And unfortunately, he could not be saved. The fourth fatality, sadly, was a horse called uh, Take Charge Brianna. That was in a turf race on Tuesday. So that's a whole other, you know, that's a whole other. So it's not like you're correct, Paul. That's D Wayne. I I bet her before. I bet her at Oakland. We've talked about her in the show. I think that yeah, was it sounds like a Willis Horton horse, and Willis Horton moved most of its horses from Dallas Stewart to to Wayne Lucas. So it's not like you know. Look, it's four horses who have died, which is horrific. But if you're trying to pinpoint it as far as people or circumstance, you have two who died suddenly with no explanation until they do the equine version of the autopsy. Uh, Wild on Ice, who finished his work, uh, training and just came back to the, uh, you know, came back injured, and then another one on turf. So, you know, the timing is horrible. Uh, it's never a good time to have four horses go down. Uh, to have derby week, it's, it's going to, you know, it's going to feel, look, folks, these are 1,300-pound animals. Just take a look at their legs in relation to the rest of their bodies. Okay, they are freaks of nature. They're little spindly legs, relatively speaking. So, you know, they're really, as far as the Safi Joseph thing, Howard, look at the reason I'm not using White Barrio is another candidate for Pete Visco's stats of the day. This horse in Florida, six stats, five wins, no seconds, no thirds. Outside of Florida, six stats, no wins, one second, two thirds. So, you know, regardless of what may or may not be going on elsewhere, I'm just, I, I learned my lesson of we talked about that at Safi Horse at Keeneland I liked a few weeks ago. So, you know, as far as him, look, you know, that that's for the governing bodies to see if there's anything nefarious going on there. But as far as these four horses, until we get a, a cause of death on Safi's two, you know, it's not like we've got four leg injuries on dirt within a week. You know, two unexplained, one on dirt, one on turf. So it, it, it is it is sickeningly sad, though, because you just hate to see these athletes go down. And when they're not all leg injuries, two of them, I think, were – well, they look as though they might be heart attacks. They're not leg injuries. Yeah, that's what I say. It's not right. as if we had four leg injuries, right? Do you, want to, do you want to dip your toe into this dangerous water, or should we just move on? No, I was going to say, from a purely handicapping standpoint, I agree with Paul. For I mean, I don't like sure. to speculate about things I don't know enough about. I Safi, agree. 0 for 22 in graded stakes races in Kentucky. So that okay. and the fact that White Abario never wins outside of Gulfstream is enough for me. Says I was with you. I think on paper, if you don't look at that, 
White Abario looks to be coming into his own a bit. I think he likes the shorter distances. So from a yeah. racing standpoint, you would for a horse who I think we've all liked a little bit in the past, you're like, let's let this horse doing what he does best. But he seems to do it best in Florida where Safi seems to be a little bit more comfortable for whatever reason. <laughs> that, I'll tell you, he ran horribly in the Pennsylvania Derby, which I was at. He ran horrifically. Yeah. Went to the lead and just hit a brick wall. Yeah. So, all right, guys, let's move on to the penultimate race of the pick five. It's the traditional race before the Kentucky Derby. And then in approximately eight minutes or so, when we're done handicapping this race, we have the wonderful Jim Miller from Hawthorne Racecourse to help us get through the Kentucky Derby. Race 11. It's the old Forester Bourbon Turf Classic. It's a grade one, of course. $1 million is the purse. It's for older males. They're going a mile and eighth on turf. It's always a nice field. It's a big field. I wouldn't say this year's field is one of the best fields we've seen. I Actually, I would say it's more below average compared to – there's just no superstars. We just don't have any you know, bricks and mortars or any just monsters in this race. But it's a very competitive race, which from a betting perspective, guys, makes it interesting and difficult. It's a 10-horse field. The more line favors the number seven, Hong Kong Harry, coming in from the West Coast for D'Amato and Pratt. Pete, we're going to have you go first. You're going to go with the five – up the mark, an up-and-comer for Pletcher, who's got two in the race. He's 4-1 to one morning line for Irad, uh, and, of course, Pletcher, as I mentioned. Last time ran at Keelan in a very uh, tough maker's mark mile, and I thought actually ran sneaky good in this race, finishing third. Yeah, I mean, you, you probably weren't beating. Yeah, if you're going to finish behind Modern Games and, and Shea Pierre, who looks, like, who looks like could be a Jeez. monster this year as yeah. well, you're, yeah, you're not really – Watch the You're not really run. losing anything by, by losing to those uh, he's right two. right here, uh, Pete. Go ahead. Yeah. So I, I just think that race was a – I mean, you would, the expectation to win that race I think wasn't there, so not necessarily a disappointing performance. This is another one like we talked about in the prior race or one of the earlier races where we said, what's, gonna, what's the cause for a horse sort of moving forward so much? They put this horse on the turf – which when you look at the breeding, you know, makes some sense. You put this horse on the turf, immediately improves, you know, at lower levels, wins like you're supposed to, coming from off the pace, so it's not always as spectacular, but just monster closing, jumps straight up into a grade one from an optional claiming, you know, an allowance race, straight into a grade one, pops a lifetime buyer top, like we said, loses to two high, high, high quality horses. Oh, for sure. Pletcher, Irad, 40% wins, 69% in the money, graded stakes on turf when you when you pair those two up. It's even a little bit better, I think, when it's a Rapoli horse. So I think this one's on the – again, we're, sometimes we're looking for ones on the upswing, and I think this could be one of them. And that, Paul, was modern Paul has game. that was modern games, by the way, Pete, that he was trying to go by. And so, yeah. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah, so. yeah try doing that. That's not the easiest thing in the world. <laughs> Paul, you've got up to the mark also. Is there anything you want to add about this horse? No, just uh, that last race, Howard, uh, which was the day, uh, the Friday of the weekend, you and I were there. So I, I was there. And, you know, if you looked at modern games in the paddock, you knew why he was, forget the running lines. If you want to talk about a beauty contest, but you do not see a lot of races where a two to five shot, there was not one second in that race that modern games was going to win. I mean, he was just, you know, whatever, for layoff. You know, Appleby doesn't usually start in this early, but 
as Pete brought up, Shea Pierre could be a real monster, is my point. And this guy was closing right along with Martin. You know, Martin Games was making up some ground, was never going to win, but had a had a really work even to run second. And this guy was was coming pretty good. And I like the fact that Irad stays. Uh, two wins, as Pete points out, two wins going into that race. And, you know, that's if you want to talk about not a bad loss, that that's a very acceptable loss. And he gets uh, – he's going to get another eighth of a mile today, uh, Saturday, which can only help him. Yeah, I like that as well, by the way, too. I forgot to mention that. You know, uh, guys, I had a very tough time with this race. And I don't disagree with anything you guys are saying. I've got up to the mark as a B. I had two concerns, though. Number one, this is a very quick turnaround. Now, listen, Pletcher is one of the best out there, Rapoli. They're not going to send this horse into this race – if this horse is not feeling good and ready. That being said, this is a quick turnaround, number one. Number two, the mile and eighth, I don't we don't know about that. And he he's gonna be bet. So again, he could definitely win. He's super talented. I have a few questions with this horse. We'll we'll have to see. I think this is gonna tell me a lot on how good this horse is. Another horse that I have a question about that I have in third is Hong Kong Harry. For some of the same reasons, guys. He's been racing in California. He's a really nice horse, and he's got a wicked turn of foot. But first time in the Midwest on this kind of surface, and the mile and eight to me, I'm not sure he's best at that. So you guys have him, you know, second, third. I've got him third. Real quick, either one of you on Hong Kong, Harry. I have some concerns, but he can win. I feel the same way about the seven as I do the five. Paul, you want to take that one? Well, yeah, I, I think the argument for this – seven is and i and i have it in my notes written on my little screen here i think he is going to get a pace to close into um you you could see his good races he does like to come from behind he flattened out last time in the Kilroy mile i'm not sure what happened there if maybe he went too early or it was whatever but i do think he is going to get the the proper setup that's I was kind of looking to be against this horse, but that's why I'm I'm keeping him in there. Um, I I think the race is there's going to be a pretty good pace. And Pletcher on eight to thirty days is twenty two percent. FYI, I'm guessing a lot of those were dirt starts. I'd have to. I'd, I don't know if you can. I, I love if you can sift through that, Paul. I'd love to know. I bet those are not turf horses, but that that's why fair. else Why else am I here, Howard? Okay. Well, I could think of some reasons, but anyway, uh, <laughs> guys. Tough. Uh, I'm sorry. Oh, okay. Um, Eight to thirty. What is it? Twenty. Yeah, you're right. It went up to twenty-three percent on turf. <laughs> Got even better. Did it really? Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, I was wrong. That's Do we okay. really need to be questioning our guy TAP this particular weekend, Howard? Is that what uh, we're here for? Probably not. Uh, look, the horse okay. can win. Good. Can I talk about my buddy Santine here? I have anyone who's oh yeah the Arlington Million because he won the Arlington Million. Yeah, you got to talk about a no, actually, talk about a horse you should have questions about. <laughs> I, I don't even want to talk about the Arlington Million. I want to go back to February nineteenth of twenty twenty two. I loved. You guys, I remember it so well. I don't know if you remember that show, and because I <laughs> loved this horse, and Santine was like, remember he was like twelve to one morning line, and he went off as the favorite. I'm like, what the hell? But anyway. This has been a favorite of mine for a long time. And no, not because he won the Arlington Million, um, which shouldn't be named that, but don't get me started. 
last time in his comeback race, guys, first of all, the distance suits him great, number one. Number two, that last race was just a means to an end. He broke horribly, horribly. That's like a toss-out race to me. Forget it. He loves this Churchill. He loves the distance. I have a ton of respect for Brendan Walsh. You know how people look at the last line and say, eh, he definitely tailed off at the end of last year. I can't deny that. But, guys, that was going a mile and a mile 16th. He wants to look at look at his numbers when he goes longer. He wants longer. He's second off the layoff. I think he's ready to run, and I think I might actually get a price. I really like Santine in this spot. He's one of my best plays of the entire weekend. Uh, he's got a serious challenge on his hand, but if he runs to how good if he runs to his race, Paul, I think he's really good. Spooky Channel. We're gonna move along here. Also ran huge last time. I didn't like him. He proved me wrong. This is another real honest horse who wants distance. To me, guys, as we close out talking about this race, Wolfie's Dynagos is in this race. There's a lot of nice horses. To me, it's a question of do you like the younger horses who are more like Myler, Mile 16th, or do you like the horse, the horses a little bit older who are more proven at the distance? I think, Pete, that, that's really what you got to ask yourself. And you can go either way. I'm going with the second, the, the latter of what I said. You guys are going with the former. Yeah, it's funny. Matt Chamora, I, I, didn't, I don't know if it's correct. I assume it is, or else he wouldn't have said it. He said this race is historically kind to four-year-olds last four or five years, won by a four-year-old. And I think the reason, if I would look at it, it would be, you know, horses take a pretty big step up sometimes from three to four. So if you have, if you have some talent at three, and then you move up to four and you can become, you start blossoming a little bit more. And yep. then some of the older horses, they are who they are. So they sort of level out a bit. So I think that's why maybe you lean on the, on the foils, but I mean, it, it's like Santine. I have is a sort of a B right below. So there's a bunch of horses in here. Wolfie's Dinah ghost. I like a little bit more hope. I was hoping he would take money because he looked impressive last time, but I just like him more on the synth than on the turf. I think he's just much better. Okay. Um, it's going to be a great race. And it's, a, they have, a, they have a good, uh, a lot of, betting wagers with that race. You can bet like the three-year-old race the day before. And anyway, there's a lot of two-day bets and a lot of things going on at that race. Guys, it's about that time. It is time to talk about the 149th running of the Kentucky Derby. And of course, you guys know what I have to do before we bring on Jim Miller. Ah, there it is. The call. Post. They are... On the track for the 149th Kentucky Derby. And let's bring on our wonderful friend from Hawthorne Racehorse to help us navigate this 20-horse field, Mr. Jim Miller. Jim, it's Kentucky Derby Week, man. How are you feeling tonight? I'm doing good. I love the race. I love the card. Very excited. So th this, this should be a lot of fun. This is a really good, fun field this year. And I think it's going to provide a lot of value, too. Uh, this, this, I'll okay, tell you Jim. what, I... I, I had a tough time with this race. I mean, we've been talking about these horses forever, Jim, but this is a tricky Kentucky Derby, I think, for sure. Let's just jump right in, guys. Here's the field. By the way, you're wondering, where are the picks on the bottom of the screen? Oh, no, no, no. I've got individual banners just for the just for our picks for the Kentucky Derby, which we'll give them at the very end, guys. We're just going to talk a little bit in general about the race, and then we'll give our picks one at a time at the end. I'll let you know who's going first, second, third, fourth. Here is – whoops, I'm sorry. Here is the field. For uh, uh, courtesy of Horse Racing Nation, with the odds and the jockey jockeys for the 149th running of the Kentucky Derby, uh, the the morning line favorite is the number 15 Forte. I read her tease three to one has done absolutely nothing wrong in his career. 
uh, will most likely be the favorite, especially if Mattress Mac has anything to say about it. We'll have to see. Second choice is the number five. Tap it, Trice, for Louis Saez and Todd Pletcher. Most people, if you watch this podcast, you know the kind of interest that myself, uh, Paul Halloran, uh, great uh, great viewers like uh, Matt Miller, uh, Jim Pilars, I'm sure many others have future bets on this horse. So we know that our heart is definitely with Tappet Trice, is our head with Tappet Trice. That's the key. Jim Miller, I'm going to let you go first. Again, don't give out your final picks yet. We're going to do that more at the end. Your overall thoughts on the Kentucky Derby, uh, the post, who got the bad and the good parts of the draw and what you're looking at from pace perspective here. Well, first off from the draw, I I actually liked the way the draw unfolded pretty much for everyone because there was no one I felt was really hurt by the inside. Nobody I felt was really hurt by the outside. I did feel that a lot of the pace kind of was on the inner half of the field and that's okay. A lot of the horses are going to try to clear from the inside, but it's not like you have that lone speed horse that stuck out and say, post number 18, 19, that just has to go. I mean, these horses have to work position, but I think a lot of the pace horses like verifying in that, getting the inside. So I do think the pace will be honest up front early on. Now, when you talk about betting a race and that, I won't get my picks yet, but it is a field of 20. So you have to look for some value. And I said this a couple of weeks ago, I wasn't going to use Forte anywhere. And it's for two reasons. One, three to one in a field of 20, so much can happen. One reason to stay away. Two, the races to me have kind of been a little bit of a regression over the course of the last three races instead of a progression. So because of that, even with the regression, it puts a horse like Forte in the mix, but you're going from a huge race in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile to a race in the Fountain of Youth, which was pretty good, to a race in the Florida Derby that I thought he should have won by four and won it rather easily. Instead, he was kind of all out to win by a length. So I'm going to stay away from Forte personally in this race. I think there's a lot of other horses that are in with the shot, but to me, the one other thing I want to mention before passing it on, remember last year, guys, everybody talked about Rich Strike, 85 to 1. I should have thrown a few bucks on that longest price on the board. So what's going to happen is all these 50 to 1 shots this year that should be 100, 125, 130 to 1 are probably going to be 50 or 60 to 1 because so many people are going to pile on from that in the past. I personally, guys, when I'm looking at this race, I think this is a race that's all about those kind of middle-of-the-road odds horses, the 8-to-1s to 15-to-1s, because your value is going to be there. And I think that's actually where your best races are going to come from, that grouping of horses. Well, Jeff Amster uh, says, Jim has to be loyal to Larry Ravelli, right? Yeah. We'll, we'll find out here in just a few minutes. Two fills is the three-horse. I have I great nuggets on that horse, too. Off of memory. Um, you, you, we'll, we'll talk about two fills at, <laughs> at the end and your thoughts on him. Um let, let, Paul, let's go to you next. We've talked about these horses. We've talked about this race ad nauseum. Um, before you, before, we'll, we'll give our picks at the end. Uh, your general thoughts and seeing the vibe that since you've been down there, what you're going to be watching tomorrow morning, what you're going to be looking out for maybe in the first quarter mile and, and how the uh, horses break. Well, I will say, we talked the other night, and I was not high on the Japanese horse, Dermasota. Well, I mean, you know, the one Japanese horse who has a chance, the other horse should be scratched so Dale Romans can get into the race. Wow. Uh, I, was, I was not very high on Dermasota Gake. He worked the other day, and, you know, he, he was bucking his head around a little bit. When he straightened out in the lane, uh, I will have to say he, he looked pretty good coming down the lane. 
once he got it. Now, I just – it just seems – and they have the horse out on the track for about two hours every day, but it seems that he especially is really keyed up. And now throw in the walkover in front of 150,000, and everyone says, well, Lemaire's not going to make the mistake he made last year. But I don't know that it's going to be possible not to have this horse go and and maybe or likely go too fast. Uh, I, I agree with Jim. I think a lot of the speed is on the inside, but I, I think this guy is definitely going to be sent from out there. And Jace's road, the only way he can win the race is on the lead. So the West Point people, uh, the West Point people in the Alba should have no problem with them sending that horse. And if he ends up being setting it up for another Cox or someone else, he can't win the race without being on the lead. So I, I think there is going to be a pretty good pace in the race and the, the faster, the better. Well, you know, Pete, I know this might sound stupid, but I do a, a believe that sometimes these connections want to hear their, their horse name called like in the front of the Derby. I really believe if they don't think a horse has a chance, you're telling me West Point wouldn't love to hear Jace's road takes the lead. I mean, again, I know that seems silly, but that's his only chance to win. And Jim, you astutely mentioned speed on the inside. Pete, there's definitely speed on the outside. I agree with Paul. I mean, Rocket Can is a horse I've talked about on this show a decent amount. For one reason, Jim Miller, he's got blinkers on. I think Junior is going. I think there's more speed in this race than people have figured, uh, Pete. I'll let you talk about, Pete, your thoughts in general on the pace flow, et cetera. But I really believe, I'm not saying it's going to be 45 like last year. I see like a 22 and four and like 46 and two. I think it's going to be legitimate. Yeah, I agree. And I mean, just by nature, it tends to be a little bit faster than people give it credit for because you have to work so hard to get positioned. So sometimes you have to gun if you're on the outside and you have a horse that can't be in the back. And we're talking Jace's road. Derma Sotogake, I think, is a little more tactical, but I think will I agree with Paul, will probably go rocket can. You don't put blinkers on necessarily unless you plan on going. And I assume they didn't plan on getting the 18 hole, but that's just a, an unlucky choice. But I think they're going to probably go. And like Jim was mentioning, there is speed on the inside. But even when you're on the inside, you still have to go a bit to make sure that you don't get crushed yeah, like by Verifying that rush coming over. Now, Pete, mm-hmm. right? like Verifying has to go. Yeah, and I, I, Jim, the one thing I disagreed a little bit with Jim was I thought a couple horses, I thought verifying, I thought was hurt a little bit because just from the two-hole, if for some reason he doesn't break sharp, it almost takes him out of the race if he can't just get to the front. So I think just circumstance, because the Derby's wild, could could hurt a couple of those horses. But no, I'm looking for pace, and when we get to my picks, I'm, I'm with Paul. Let's go 21 and, and 44 for all I would hope for. Let's, let's bring Crown Pride and whoever the other horse was. Let's bring them back and let them run out to the front with the, with the horses I like. Uh, Jim, confidence game has, you know, the four – by the early time form, Jim Miller, confidence game is quick, has never been beyond a mile 16th, has been working really well. He's fresh. He's got to go a little bit also, right? I just It just feels like there's more speed in the race than people have been leading on. Oh, there's definitely more speed in the race. And you talk about, I mean, look look at Rocket Can. Like you mentioned, you're making a, an equipment change in the Kentucky Derby. I mean, it's Bill Mott doing it, so it's something that you really can't question too much. But when you have things like that, that happens. Here's the thing, though, guys. Even look back to last year. Yes, Rich Strike came charging at him late. There were five, six horses going out there, but there always seems to be one of those horses that still kind of seems to run on. It's a matter of which one it is, but I do think the pace is going to be honest up front early on too. So 
I'm kind of staying away from those uh, front-running horses as well. Yeah, and listen, it's going to be a great race. We've talked about it for a long time, and we, you know, tomorrow, by the way, for everyone, before we go, we're going to go to our picks right now. Everyone's like, Howard, let's just get to the picks. Uh, tomorrow, we have a Kentucky Derby roundtable. It starts at 8 p.m. Eastern. Everyone at part of the HHH Racing Podcast, including Matt Miller, will be there. And we're going to talk more interesting questions about this race, like who's going to have the lead at the first quarter? Who's going to have lead the top of the stretch? Will Pletcher win the race? So more interesting tidbits. Uh, it'll be fascinating. And Matt Miller is going to be here also to talk about some of the betting uh, possibilities. Guys, let's just go right to it, to our picks. You could Each person can speak for a few minutes about their picks and their opinions. We're going to go with Pete Visco first. Oh, Pete's Top, we're going to go to we're going to go to our top four here. Pete's top four in the Kentucky Derby on the screen. It's not going to be scrolling. It's a banner. There we go. Pete is going 14, 15, 17, 5. He is going. Let's see if I have these numbers memorized. He's going to go Angel of Empire, Forte, Dermo Sodagake, and Tapit Trace. Pete, the floor is yours. Angel of Empire has been a very popular pick I've heard from very smart people last few days. There's no way. I think he's going to be potentially five, six to one in this race. Wouldn't surprise me. I'll go and bring up the PPs. What do you like about him, Pete? Well, as we talked about on whatever show that was this week, they're all (laughs) blending together. I think on Monday, I like this horse mostly because he's one of the ones in the race who's still definitely improving, but he's improving and winning. So he's actually improving. He's winning the races. He's not like some of the others who are improving, but they're still running, you know, second and third, this one in the Arkansas Derby. I just love the way he sort of, he sort of closed hard, ran through the wire. Like he was, he was extending. He wasn't, you know, he wasn't slowing down. I feel like the, the mile and a quarter should be no trouble. And the one thing I do like about him as well is I don't think of him as uh, sort of a deep, deep closer, even though he does come from from pretty far back. Sometimes I think of him as one we always used to talk in the derby. You want to be in like that top flight when you hit the lane. You want to be close. You want to be in like second, third, fourth, fifth. You want to be close and right on those leaders. And I think he has that middle move, like right coming to the turn. I shouldn't say middle because it's the, the derby. It's it's way past that. But he has that move there where I think he can get himself into contention. Pratt will get him there. And then when he gets that closing kick going, I think he could at least run down many of the other horses and he's tactical enough to where I think he can get in position to maybe hold off the other closers. We will, I, we're not going to get to a lot of the comments in the chat, but please continue to ch- uh, chat to each other in the, in, with live comments because I want to get the pins of these guys. I think this horse is very live, very logical. Had the lead about the mile marker, Pete, so you can't transfer one race to another, but if you were to superimpose – Good That's word, Paul mean, Halloran. Yep. Superimpose the yeah. How about that? Listen, I'm an educator. I can I can these multisyllabic words I can handle. Uh, if if you take the Arkansas Derby race on top of like Churchill's track, Angel of Empire like takes the lead to the top of the stretch. So I don't think it's going to work out that way on Saturday. But anyway, he doesn't have to real, go too far back. To Pete's point, real quick, Howard Matt asked yep. the question, what win odds are your minimum? It's funny. My wife at dinner got pissed at me because she asked me who I was going to say was going to win. And I said, 
in some derbies, I don't care about the winner because I don't necessarily make a win bet. I make a win bet if I love a horse. And there's probably been five or six of the last 10 to 15 years that I've loved and made big win bets on. This year might be the same. Now, if Angel of Empire stays and he's, you know, 8, 10, 12 to 1, maybe I'd put a win bet on him. But this is a year for me where I, I'm not looking for the winner necessarily. I know we're supposed to tout winners and that's what we do because we're on camera and we're on Twitter and all that crap. But from a from a where I'm putting my money, I don't care about a win bet in a race like this. I'd rather stick with a couple horses. I love Forte. So I I, I, I I want Forte to win just to shut up most of Twitter because they keep dogging him. No offense, Jim. I know you were a little down on him, but I know you don't do it maliciously. You, you do it smartly, but I love Forte and I'd love to just see him run by most of these horses and just crush them just to shut some people up. But I'm not betting Forte to win because there's no value in betting mm-hmm. him to win. Jimmy's right next to you, man. You can give him a little elbow. He's right there on the screen. You can... Anyway. But that's the uh, reason. And, and, and he's right. Cause that's the thing. You have to look at it from two standpoints for a race like the Derby. It's 20 horses. Forte is a very good racehorse, but when you're betting the race, do you want three to one in a field of 20? That's a big reason why I'm going to stay away. Cause I thought, I actually think he might even go shorter than that. So I think he might be sitting there somewhere around five to two. And to me, that's no value in a 20 horse field. Oh, it's funny. If you looked at Twitter, he should be about 30 as bad as he must be. So. <laughs> Let's go to the wonderful Paul Halloran. Uh, Paul's picks. The whole world is watching right now for Paul Halloran's top four in the Kentucky Derby. Here they come at the bottom of the screen. Paul is going 5, 15, 14, 11. He's going Tappet, Trice, Forte, Angel of Empire, and Disarm. Very interesting long shot for fourth. Paul Halloran, the floor is yours, sir. Yeah, it's it's like when I ordered vanilla ice cream with Jimmy's, not Sprinkles. Jimmy's the other night. Very, very unimaginative selections, but, you know, Again, we've talked enough about Tappet Trice on this show. I believe he's the best horse in the crop. Uh, I think he is on the improve. I think the Bluegrass was the best prep. I think Saez got a, a little bit of a different uh, dynamic out of him by being forced to get him in the race, being down on the rail. Now, I don't expect him to be third in the Kentucky Derby. But as I said the other night, if he could somehow find a way to be 10th, then I, you know... I think the way he gets beat is he doesn't get there in time, which is obviously a possibility in a 20-horse field. Uh, I'd take Saez uh, at this minute in time. If I had to pick one jockey to win a race with my life on the line, it would be Luis Saez. So we get that. Who had a spill yesterday, by the way, and thank God got up from it. Um, so, oh, yeah, this, and, this, and I'm, I'm, I'm not in the anti. I'm not in the anti Forte camp either. That's why I'm, my picks are unimaginative. I I don't think he's done anything wrong. Uh, I think I, I I'm not so sure, Jim. I think his odds might go the other way a little bit. With Mattress Mac, notwithstanding, you know, because there's just so much talk about. Well, Forte's not good value. Forte's not good value. Forte's not good value. Now all of a sudden, Forte is seven to two, and you're like, oh, he's good value. Up, oh, shut up. Uh, so anyway, and and I, I my I went with my three A's, one, two, three. In my horizontals, I have three A's. I have Angel of Empire as an A, and you know, so are they going to run one, two, three? I'm sure probably not, but. You know, I will play some verticals with some other long shots, but you know, if I were going to play 
you know, if this were a contest, which it's not, I would be playing, you know, pretty big exactas with the five over those two. Paul, real quick, for people that like Tappet Trice, we talked about this on the show last night a little bit or, or this week, and then Jim will get to your, your selections. Do you want Saez to be aggressive early in the race like he was in the bluegrass and try to get more early position, but then potentially be more on the inside, which is saving ground, but might have more traffic? Or would you prefer Louis just lets the horse get into stride naturally and maybe be further back but have the better opportunity to get to the outside. I think th that's a huge thing that's got to be worked out for these connections. Yeah, but I think, you know, starting in the five is different from starting in the one. And I know there's 15 horses to his right. I, I did the math on that. But I, I would kind of prefer he, you know, he. we've talked about it. He doesn't break necessarily poorly, but he is Correct. slow into stride. But the Correct. thing – You've got to remember, he has the ability to naturally get into his stride. It's a quarter of a mile to the turn. Okay, it's not like a you know with, with if the mile if the race is a mile and an eighth, you, you know you could be talking an eighth. You know, look at Gulfstream. You know, the they run the race at Gulfstream. It's 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 about a hundred yards to the turn. Okay, so I mean, he's got a quarter of a mile to do what he has to do and get to where I'd like him to be, which is 10th straightening out on the backstretch. And, you know, I, I kind of, the more I think of it and, and Jim brought it up, I kind of like the fact that the horses around him are going to go because get them go, good, get them out, let him go. It's, you know, I, I like that scenario better than, you know, him being surrounded by stalkers who are going to be right next to him. You know, he wants to run in open space. It's 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 pretty clear. And he didn't love being down on the rail at Keeneland. That was pretty obvious. But he found a way to win. And he found a way to beat, you know, what we think is a, is a pretty good horse. I think verifying, if he were in the 12 out in this race, he would be, might be on my A-line. I, I think he's a real racehorse. I agree, Howard. I think he got really hurt. So, yeah, I would – again, I think Louis will do what's necessary. He'll have a strategy. Uh, I don't think, though, it's going to be take him back to 20th and circle everything. Now, if it is, it is, but that's a tough way to win this particular race. Last thing I'll say, uh, I do like the fact – Jim Miller, I want you to comment on this as we bring up your picks. I like – if you're a Tabatrice fan, which I know you're not – necessarily based on your picks. I like the fact that he's got a Pletcher just who's outside because I'm not saying Kings Barnes is going to veer out to the right, but you know Todd Pletcher is telling Jose Ortiz under no circumstances do you go get break out of the gate and move to the left under any circumstances. So, Jim, I think that might help Tapatrice just a bit. Any thoughts on that before bringing up your picks? He's the horse that I picked fifth in the race. So it, okay. it is. It's, it's a very similar reasoning. It's the reasoning behind my selections as well because my horse also is surrounded by a lot of speed horses. So I don't think you have to worry as much about kind of that jostling out of the gate. I think the horses are just going to kind of fall into their race a little bit, get into their position and be able to settle into it instead of having to work to find that position. A horse like Tapatrice, probably in the same exact uh, mode as my selection too. Here we go. Jim Miller's official public picks on the HHH Racing Podcast. Is he going to go with the Chicago boy or is he going somewhere else? Jim Miller is picking Damn. two fills with Larry Ravelli on top. He's got three, 14, 10, 17. He's going two fills 
Angel Vampire in second. There you go, Pete. He's got the 10, Practical Move in third. Dermer Sotagake, he's a man of his word. He's tossing Tapatri uh, excuse me, Forte, and as he just said, he would go Tapatrice in fifth. Jim, the floor is yours, sir. First thing I want to say, I hated the Derby point system this year because if it was how it was any other year, Mandarin Hero would be in the race and I probably would have used the horse. So sitting in spot number 22 and not 21 and not getting in the race scares me a little bit. All right, here's my reasoning behind two fills. Yes, it's the hometown horse. But regardless of it being the hometown horse, there's a couple of things. Pete made a very good point. Running style, when you hit the top of the lane, you really have to be in contact with the leader. So that checks off one box for me for two fills. Second, the horse has already won over the racetrack, winning the street sense last year. So this was a horse that didn't have to go to Churchill early to get familiar with the surroundings, get familiar with the racetrack. They've already won over the racetrack. Third, the win in the Jeff Ruby stakes, Larry Ravelli talked about after the race. He was worried about wanting to get into the derby like everybody else's. He came out of the race and said, hey, this horse didn't have to get used in the lane. This horse won rather easily, wasn't have to push that hard, and then put out a 101 buyer with that victory too. Now, after that, I love the fact that he kind of just stayed in the routine for two fills, went back to the home base for Hawthorne. You're in the stall surrounded by your buddies in the barn. You have the same groom and hot walker that you see every day, the same barn that you see every day, and a racetrack that you're very familiar with that has a very long stretch as well, too. But this is a horse that I watched these works. He had two works where he was sent off behind a horse by the name of Smoke and Richie, who is a very fast sprinter, and he was four lengths behind Smoke and Richie. He absolutely just sat there on cruise control ran right on by the source at the wire and was never puffing. And I was back in the barn less than 10 minutes after his most recent drill, and he was walking like he hadn't done anything, hadn't done any work at all. So there's a lot of reasons that I like the horse. Now, of course, there's the concerns. It's, it's Jareth Loveberry's first ride in the Derby. You have to worry about that. I'm not worried about the paddock. They schooled the horse in the paddock yesterday and schooled just fine. But again, the horse has raced there before. But again, you talk about kind of these middling type of horses probably 12 to 15 to one on two fills. I think Angel Empire will probably be second choice. I think it's going to be five or six to one. I think wow. they may actually be better over Tapit Trice, but it'll be close. Okay. I think those two are close. And then you look elsewhere, practical move. We don't know what the California horses were, but again, I liked Mandarin Hero. Practical move is a big, strong horse. And one of the things, he's not going to get bumped around. He's going to do the bumping. So if things get jostled around, he's the one that kind of holds his position. Then Derma Sotagake, go back and look at the Dubai World Cup card, guys. Japan horses won almost every race of that card and were absolutely dominant. And this was one of the most dominant performances on the card. So for me, yes, hometown horse, of course, but there's a lot of reasons to back the horse. I think the trip could be very similar, maybe sitting a little bit closer to the pace than a horse like Tapa Trice's early on. But again, so much speed surrounding the horse to kind of go. I don't think they're going to have to work that hard to find their position. I, I think you have... They're very valid reasons why two fills can win this race. I think he's very live in this spot. And, guys, Jim is not going to throw out an opinion just because he's a Chicago guy. This horse is legit. I've heard a lot of good vibes, by the way, in the last 48 hours, how he looks on the track. He's a beautiful horse. Um, he's got a, a big number. And the last thing I'll say about two fills, and I mentioned this, Jim, this week, Churchill dirt track, very kind to horses that have raced on the sin and the turf. I don't know if Two Fills wants like a deeper surface, like a Belmont, but he might love this Churchill surface. So yeah, he's won over I, it before. I'm not worried absolutely. at all. Absolutely. 
All right, guys, let's go to my picks. I, I'll tell you what, this is a, this was a tough derby. I, I thought long and hard about this. There are a lot of uh, decisions that had to be made. I have to go with my head when I'm giving out public opinions. Everyone knows on this screen, I would love to see Tapatrice wins. It'd be one of the best handicapping calls I've ever made in my lifetime. It, I, I My absolute heart is with Tapatrice, but you know what? I have to be fair to the viewers, and I have to do what I think is right. My top official top four, and boy, do I hope I am wrong. I have never wished I was more wrong than I am right now, but here's my top four. Jim Miller, eat your heart out, buddy. I am going with two fills in the Kentucky Derby, and I'm going Angel of Empire second. Jim Miller and Please tell everyone we did not discuss our picks we, at all. We did not. I, I my reply to you in, when you you said this was I thought you were going to put Tapatrice first, second, third, and fourth. So there you go. I'm I'm going two fills, Angel Vampire, Forte, Tapatrice. Look, I don't. We're running out of time here. I don't want to <laughs> talk too long. We've talked about these horses forever. I think tap. I think two fills is going to get a great trip. And the Jared Loveberry comment. First of all, he's a great jockey, as you know. I think it worked out okay for Sonny Leone last year. I know that was weird. They're all great jockeys in this race. I know, Paul. But listen, Jared, if anyone thinks Jared Lovey is not capable of winning the Derby, they are crazy. Watch this guy every day. He is a fantastic rider. I think he sets a great trip, um, Jim, Pete, and Paul, in behind the speed. I think he's improving. I think he's going to love this track. And he's going to be a little bit of a price. I mean, if I think the chance of two fills is not that much worse than a Forte, you know, why not take three or four times the price? It just makes sense. Um, Angel Vampire Pete, I love this horse. Uh, I think he can absolutely win. He's going to run a big race. Uh, Forte, I love. You got to have respect for Forte. I've got him in the mix. I just don't like his price, and he doesn't. He doesn't lay over this field by any means at all. By any number you take a look at, and then I got to put my guy TT in there. Paul, you, you know. Oh, that was nice of you. What, what a guy you are. What a guy. Paul, do we, need was, to, do we need to spin this podcast off when Tappet Trice? I don't even think we should put Howard on if Tappet Trice wins the Derby next week when we do our That, that would be a suspension. Guys. Pete, a one-game suspension? That is a one-game suspension. You know what? Yep. That's a good idea. Look, <laughs> if Tappet full, – full disclosure for everyone out there, I want to be honest to the public out there. Um, I'm alive to $14,500 at Tappet Trice. That is – I put out my tickets out there two months ago. I have $200 to win on them at 60 to one. I have 50 to win on them at 45 to one. I'm alive to 14.5. Is it life-changing? No. Is it a big deal? Yes. Would it give me a lot of sense of pride and satisfaction? Absolutely. But if he drew from the 10, if he drew from the 10 out, he'd be my top pick. I just have concerns about the inside. I love the horse. Everyone knows it. There's my. You can tell by putting him in fourth. We can really <laughs> well, tell how much you love him. You can love a horse, but not pick him in first. I mean, I'm not going to. No, but you can pick it... him in second or third at least. Come on, I, man. I, I think he's going to. I think he's going to run a great fourth or fifth. I think he's again a little bit trouble. Come like a train. He can run a great race, Jim, and finish fourth or fifth. There's been a zillion yeah. horses in the Derby that have done this. Yeah, I right, picked Jim. him fifth. I, I think that's the kind of trip that he might get. I mean, even Paul said it. You, the one concern yeah. is, does he just come up short? And that's the thing. And, and it's short just for lack of real estate for working out a trip when there's 20 horses. So, yeah. see how things uh, we got We got we to gotta let you go, Jim, because bet and boost starts in 13 minutes. Jim Miller from Hawthorne Racecourse. I really appreciate it, man. Good luck for your bets. 
on Saturday. And of course, please bet a uh, Hawthorne race course next week. Jim Miller will be back to talk about Hawthorne race course in particular. Thanks a lot, Jim. Yeah, guys, good luck. Jim. See you Bye-bye. later, man. All right, guys, we're going to roll through. Don't go anywhere, folks. We're, we're almost done. We're going to roll through our pick fives very quickly. Here's Pete's pick five ending in the Derby. One, five, nine, 12, one, two, four, eight, seven, four, five, seven, five, 14, 15, 17, 96 bucks. You're singling Cody's wish, Pete. Quickly talk about your, your thoughts here. Yeah, I won't say too much. I'm going with the Cody's Wish single, which half the world is going to do, but that's the only logical one for me on the card. Then I'm sticking with my top – I have a top bucket of win contenders in the Derby, so I'm going to try and close it out with one of those four. I think think you have an excellent $96 ticket. Pete Visco, good luck with your uh, all-stakes pick five ending the Derby. Paul Halloran, he's pick five, five, nine, 10, 12, with two, four, eight, 11 with seven, with five, seven, nine, 10, with five, 14, 15, also singling Cody's wish, 96 bucks, Paul. Looks like Pete and I are cashing together. Right, we, Look we, at we, those two we, tickets we, we, next to each other. Why don't you superimpose those tickets? Yeah, uh-huh. Nice. Very I, nice. I, 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 can't, uh, I can't do that. I can flip-flop. But anyway. Look at that. I that think, is pretty um, good. You know, I do think, and, and Matt Miller brings up a good point, and we do have good news for Matt Miller, Howard, because there was a little confusion in the chat today because there yes. was an M. Miller and yes. Matt Miller, and yes. he made it clear. So the good news for Matt Miller is Howard is going to take a page out of the Elon Musk playbook, and instead of having paying for the blue check mark, you are going to pay for the green HHH icon, and that will verify that you are who you are. So, Matt – It'll only cost you a few bucks a month in addition to what you're already paying, but you will get the HHH Howard Elon Musk verification. <laughs> Let me tell you something. If Tampa Trace wins this race, I'll be paying for a lot of things for a lot of people. Uh, and you guys will be benefiting also, believe me. Um, let's go to my pick five. My pick five is five, seven, eight, ten, twelve, with two eleven, with seven, with three, five, seven, eight, nine, with three, five. 14, 15. It's a straight $100. I'm also singling Cody's wish. I'm just using Farbridge and uh, Carl Spackler in the three-year-old turf race. I'm spreading in the other ones. I do have our boy TT. Hey, Paul, he was good enough to put him in the I mean, I, yeah. I thought it he was going to be a, a C. I thought it was going to be a C. He had him as a D. Pete, he had him as a D. I have him as a B plus. I've got yeah. him as a B-plus right now by pick five. I'm going to tell you, hey, Pete, you know what I'm going to do tomorrow morning, Pete? I'm yeah. going to tell Tampa Trice that. I'm going to tell him tomorrow morning. whisper in his ear and say, hey, win this one for – they They should take his ticket away. They shouldn't even cash it in Vegas, this he, ticket. He went, from stalking, he went from stalking a McKeenland where the horse had to have an equine restraining order, Rubbing and now he can't make his stuff. trifecta. Yeah. Unbelievable. Look, I'm trying Matt to Miller, I'm gonna tell you, Matt Miller will like this. Matt Miller will like your picks. It'll, he will like the fact that you're less fatuated with the less infatuated with the horse and you can't get near him. He'll like that. Paul, you've refereed and coached for a long time. This is called reverse psychology. Tappa Trace, you can't win. You're, you're gonna have trouble. You're not good enough. He's like, Howard, I'm gonna prove you wrong and win by three and one fifty-nine and three fifths and pay ten eighty. That's my that's my uh, hope, guys. I think he's. Gotta, by the way, I think he's going to get bet. I I, I think he is going to get bet more than we think he's going to get bet. By the way, we'll see. It'll be fascinating. 
we thank everyone for watching tonight again in literally nine minutes. Please watch Ben and Booze, and they're going over the two two day pick six. It's a dollar bet. It's a great bet. Then tomorrow night with all the HHA Freezing Podcast uh, co-hosts and myself, Derby Roundtable to talk more about the Kentucky Derby with Matt Miller as well. For my wonderful co-hosts, Pete Visco and Paul Howard, and this has been your host, Howard Kravitz, episode 255, and what a memorable run of the HHH Racing Podcast. Smash that like button. Spread the word. Good luck with the Kentucky Derby 149 this Saturday. Take care, everyone. Have a great night. Bye-bye. Racing podcast, you're missing out. It's one of the best podcasts in the country.